Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Mo here for WIS Business, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Umhafer. He's the executive director of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks, Alex. So let's start off with discussing some of the opportunities that you see for cheesemakers here in the state. Obviously, exports makes up a significant chunk of uh, the cheese business here in Wisconsin. Are there any international export destinations or even areas of the United States that you think represent a, a promising or potential growth market for Wisconsin cheese? Well, there are, and we've got, luckily we've got help on a national level uh, and we've got help locally here in Wisconsin with uh, organizations that really step up and help uh, the industry try to move product. And, and the markets are, are really diverse. Uh, our biggest market is Mexico, uh, followed by Canada. So the, those local markets are, are really important to, branded cheese leaving the state and then packages you'd recognize and bulk uh, leaving the state for pizzerias and things like that. But I'd say the emerging markets uh, are also interesting. Uh, Japan, China, uh, Singapore, uh, across the the far East there, there's there's individual opportunities. South Korea is probably in the top five. Um, All of those are, are both uh, eating Western foods. So you've chains over there, the Domino's and, and the Pizza Huts are over there. So that's that's always an outlet. But also they're taking up uh, dairy foods really in, in some cases in South Korea by a government edict looking for their uh, people to have more calcium in their diet. So a little different approach, but uh, they're looking for uh, for dairy products and, and each market has its own niches. They, they tend to like small servings of, of branded product and uh, so that they can buy individual servings for individual meal opportunities. And then you can swing all the way over to the other side of the globe. And in the Middle East, there's, there's strong markets for American cheeses and, and other products and whey, um, yogurt. So there's, there's really opportunities around the globe. Hmm. Now that is interesting. Glad to have that kind of overview on that. And I'd like to ask you somewhat of a related question on global supply chain issues and how that might be affecting the state's cheese industry. And um, I guess that does sort of tie into the ongoing pandemic. So first off, I want to ask you about the impact of that pandemic on the state's cheese industry, including any new challenges and how cheesemakers are finding ways to to rise to meet those challenges. And uh, if that ties into the supply chain issues, um, feel free to address that as well. Well, it's, it's a big topic, and I'm sure it is with every industry, because we saw this amazing roller coaster ride in 2020, where days after the country began to shut down in March, orders just stopped, and some trucks were stopped and turned around, and docks said, we will not unload your truck, and we had an industry that just shut down, and the cheese price uh, at the wholesale level went to a record low of a dollar per pound. And then eight weeks later, it went to a record high of $3 a pound when things began to open up in the summer of 2020. 
And none of the supply chain had any cheese because they basically put a halt on things. So it was a, it was a crazy ride in 2020. And we're still feeling the effects. Some are positive, some are negative. Uh, the restaurant industry, I just looked at some open table data. Around the country, uh, in places, key markets, you've got only 70% of restaurants that were taking reservations in, in 2019 are now taking reservations in 2021. So that's that's a that's a big drop for the New York market. Um, similar on the West Coast, I looked at the Wisconsin data, 80% of restaurants are taking reservations that would have been taking them in 2019. So that's still rippling through the food service side, that restaurant side of the business. So we do see that uh, mozzarella is, is selling strong, but it's selling to fewer places. So we've got uh, the overall bulk numbers of our number one cheese in Wisconsin mozzarella are down just a bit, about 2%, which is actually pretty good considering you're looking at uh, markets like that where 30% of the restaurants aren't reporting anymore. But uh, overall, when you look at the, the shift that those markets took, uh, the chain, the chain pizzerias versus the sit-down restaurants boomed in the last uh, two years when they figured out after a couple of months that you know the way to go was pickup and delivery. So mozzarella really, really relied on that uh, Pizza Hut and Domino's market, and they just soared in the last two years. So you've got the, this tale of two industries, really. Some people hurt by the restaurant side, but gaining on the quick serve side, the, the fast food places are also up. And then at retail, consumers bought a lot of cheese in the last uh, two years. And then that continues. We've actually got numbers that look slightly down from last year because last year was such an enormous uh, lump of buying by the consumer. But still, if you look at, I've got some uh, data on say mozzarella is up 16% at retail, things that the consumer goes to the grocery store. It's up 16% from two years ago in an industry where two, 3% growth is common. Uh, consumers are buying 27% more Parmesan this year than they did two years ago. And so that's, that's just enormous growth. I think people learned or came back to cooking at home, right? And they, they tried to make their own lasagna and their own pizza at home, and they're still doing it. Very interesting to hear about kind of that balancing effect in the market. And it must be due to, as you said, most peop more people just kind of cooking at home and almost mm -hmm. a, a holdover of that pullback from the, uh, the restaurant space. Mm -hmm. The supply chain side, though, when you look at delivering overseas, we're definitely seeing a, a hit on the ability to get uh, product overseas and especially going uh, to the Far East. And most commonly, even more than cheese, it's whey products. It's the dry whey products that are used in infant formula and in formulating foods. All sorts of baked foods use dry whey and, and products like that. The, the the muscle building market uses uh, whey protein, as you may have seen on your grocery store shelf. So that's really been hit. Those, those like every other container trying to get the east and west, we're caught up in that situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that supply chain issue, is, as I'm sure you know, people at, in all aspects of the economy have been discussing the impact of that. So that'll be something to watch closely going forward, particularly with respect to cheese exports. And I also wanted to ask you about any legislative efforts, either here in Wisconsin at the state level or national, that you're keeping an eye on that could potentially impact the state's cheese industry going forward, as well as um, you know any legislative or lobbying priorities that the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association has of its own. 
We do have some projects and we're very happy that uh, when you speak of exports, uh, AB314 worked its way through the, uh, the two houses and now is sitting on Governor Evers' desk for signature. And that is an ag export bill. It's got uh, $5 million across five years uh, coming toward uh, the ag industry. Half of that 5 million is designated for dairy export. So what it will really do is shore up the program at the Department of Agriculture, uh, give them some more bandwidth to hold more uh, trade missions, have trade missions come to the US, have uh, our uh, companies go over to uh, trade shows and all over the world, really, from Dubai to uh, Singapore and, and try to move cheese. So it's a real game changer where they've got real opportunity here to, to make sales. And so we're very happy to see that uh, within a, a day or two, we hope to see the governor uh, signing that, uh, that legislation. Another piece of legislation we have that we feel very strongly about is, is what we call truth and dairy labeling. And that's a set of bills that, uh, along with the meat industry, is asking for truth and labeling. And that is, uh, we are as an industry uh, not happy to see products that are not dairy using terms like milk and terms like cheese. So, And, and you mean like could, things like almond milk and, and products of right. that nature? Okay. Correct. Correct. And, you know, I, we see that as a direct opportunity they're taking to co-opt decades of, of goodwill built up in the dairy industry milk means something to people it's got a wholesome pure name and, and they're just borrowing it for something that really is just a blended nut product that is water added so we did some research with a, a firm called ravel a third-party firm on the internet and they found that 41 uh, percent of the consumers in a survey of 450 consumers that they did thought that the plant-based cheese for example had as much or more calcium than dairy cheese and in fact, it's not present at all in those cheeses. So when you say, well, consumers know the difference between an imitation cheese and a real cheese. Well, they may, but they may not understand what they're not getting. They're not getting some of those uh, micronutrients that they would expect. And you know, in some of the imitation cheeses, there's no protein at all. And so they're, they might be thinking they're getting something and it's not there. So that, that irks the industry that uh, something can simply take a name People associate certain things with that name, certain uh, nutritional benefits that aren't there. And so we feel that uh, you, words have meaning and cheese is cheese and a soy-based product might be closer to tofu. So that might be a better name for it. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, John. And, and glad to hear some of those things that you and the cheesemakers of Wisconsin have been keeping an eye on. And, and certainly those are some things that uh, we'll be watching going forward, including Governor Evers um, potentially signing that bill into law. Well, John, thanks so much for joining me for the discussion today. I've really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully we can stay in touch going forward. Thank you very much, Alex. You've been listening to Wisp Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcast. Did you know that almost 80% of UW-Madison's in-state students return to live and work in Wisconsin in the years after graduation? And almost half of all UW-Madison alumni are current Wisconsin residents. 
That's just one way we're driving our economy forward. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.